Let's just worship the Lord a few minutes. <clears throat> this is my desire to honor you. Lord, with all my heart, I worship you.
sounds like a prayer. Amen. Had a good Sunday school lesson. Always thinking, always looking towards the Lord, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, every moment of every day. Amen. I really enjoy that. I just, there's times you get away from it, but there's times he knows your thoughts and what you're thinking. Brother Branham used to talk about his wife and she'd be ironing clothes and she'd be praying as she was doing that. Amen. We want to, the Holy Spirit's going to make you do something. Amen. So the main thing is get the Holy Spirit. Because he's the only one that can please God. Amen. I have a couple of requests of prayer. I had a, a man that I worked with at Beaufort County over a year ago. Uh, his name was Bruce. He came to um, the wedding and everything. His wife went in for a surgery. On a, she had a growth on her back, and you just wanted to, us to pray for her. Her name is Patty, so that um, it would be benign and there was nothing. And then he texted me a little later. He had a friend of his in Wisconsin that was actually going through the exact same thing. So we want to remember them too this morning. The man in Wisconsin, his name is Keith Bruce. Noack, his wife's name is Patty. Um, just a little update on my son. So he texts me this morning and just says that um, the way he put it, I raised my hand about some issues at work and they let me go. That's what all this that I got. There's so much more that goes behind the scenes and you know, in his eyes, he told me the truth. Because that's that's just the way that he sees it um, you know we just want to pray for him uh, you know I, as a dad you just oh, I just want so much to help him but the thing is he just doesn't want to help himself and it's a decision I mean you know when I came to the Lord I just made a decision and I was not in a message church I was a Raised a Catholic, was out in the world, in the Marine Corps. Um, and I went to a church four weeks in a row. And I made a decision, and I really didn't know what I was doing. And you say, well, what are you talking about? But that decision brought me to where I am. I think I drank one more time, didn't get drunk, because it wasn't having an effect. But I just knew at that moment, it was called the Eagle's Nest. It was a charismatic church. And he, all he did was ask you if you wanted, we had our heads bowed, if you want to give your heart to the Lord. But I, it was like the Lord was sitting at ceiling height to me. And uh, I raised my hand. Of course, then everybody sitting there says, you that raised your hand, come up front. I know who I raised my hand to. I was the first one with up front not to but it, I knew what I had done and he honored that to the point to where I grew up like a calf in a stall for the first two or three years and then after that troubles came but the decision if it's a true and honest sincere decision in the heart God will honor it and you won't know what's going on while you're serving God all your life and everything it's because he honored it and he, he's the one that sought you out. I'm sorry, I'm getting wordy. But praise the Lord, we're here to collect the tithes and offerings. If you have a request upon your heart this morning, you know, 
He sees that. He sees that. We are so captivated in this carnal body, but He sees that. Where two or three are gathered, do you see Him in His corporal body? No. But He's here. Let's pray. Father, I love you this morning. We come to you, Father, as thirsting in our hearts because you put something in there to thirst after you. And we just pray that you would meet that thirst in each and every heart this morning. Lord, we remember Patty Nowak and my friend's friend Keith that had growths removed. Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray that they would both be benign. Lord, for my son and the request upon the hearts here, I've committed him to you, Father. I won't take him back. He's in your hands, and that's where I stand by faith, Father. I love him with all my heart, and I just pray that you would have your way. Bring him to that place, Father, of total surrender to you. As we collect the tithes and offerings, I pray that you would bless the cheerful giver, Father. Bless your people, Lord. Lord, we thank you that we have an anchor in a weary land. You have never failed us and you never will. Therefore, committing all our care to you this morning, Father, because you care for us. We love you, we worship you, bless your people now. Magnify the gift of God, the ministering of the word, we pray in Jesus' name.
Brother Jason had requested this song a couple weeks ago, and I had listened to it and promptly forgot about it until I was praying before bed last night and came to my mind, oh, Lord, help me. So it might be a little, little rough. From a distance he'd been watching me And I guess somehow he knew That in my heart I longed to be like him In time the closer we became The more it seemed I grew I'd fall, he'd pick me up, and I'd try again. He loves me even when I do the things I shouldn't do. And when I fall to do the things I should. I heard it said that love is blind And I've come to know it's true He forgets the bad And remembers all the good In my Father's eyes There's no wrong I've done in my Father's eyes, I am the perfect Son. He must see what I can see, and it makes me want to try to be like the Son that's in my Father's eyes. life is over my last trial I've gone through will be worth it all to hear him say well done maybe then I'll understand just what he sees in me but I'm sure I'll find he was blinded by a son in my father's eyes. Oh, there's no wrong I've done in my father's eyes. I am the perfect son. He must see. Someone I can't see And it makes me want to try To be like the sun That's in my father's 
I learned how to lean and depend on Jesus. He's my friend. He's my guide. I learned how to lean and depend on Jesus. I found out if I trust him, he will provide. I learned how to lean and depend on Jesus. I learned how to lean.
chapter 12. Amen. Greet you in the name of the Lord. Happy to have you here in the house of God. Amen. Thanks for remembering me, buddy. <laughs> that was excellent. Amen. Praise the Lord. I wasn't going to send a hit squad. I knew you'd get to it eventually. Amen. You love the Lord? <clears throat> I uh, want to make just a quick announcement that uh, next Sunday, Brother George Smith will be with us. Amen. So looking forward to that. Haven't had Brother George through in a long time. Amen. I honestly am not sure it was me. I think it was the draw to come see my mom and greet her. That's probably what did it, but amen. He's going to come through, talk to him. He was in Arizona the other day, and so we got it planned out for next weekend. I'm looking forward to that. Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, weeks ago, we had Brother Joe last weekend. The week prior, we were preached on to start a fire. We're preaching part two of that today. To start a fire, part two. We're going to read this opening text. We'll let you be seated, and then we have another follow-up text. Luke chapter 12, verses 49 through 53. Amen? Amen. All right. I am come to send fire on the earth, and what will I if it be already kindled? But I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how am I straightened till it be accomplished? Suppose ye that I am come to give peace on earth, I tell you nay, but rather division. For from henceforth there shall be five in one house divided, three against two and two against three, the father shall be divided against the son and the son against the father, the mother against the daughter-in-law and the daughter against the mother, and the mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. I think I read that correctly. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, when we read your words in this passage it can feel at times, Lord, uncomfortable to us to read it because it's not how we like to think of the gospel. But Lord, we can't deny that this is what you said. And so what you said is not in question. It's in your Bible, Lord, but we want to understand it. So I pray for your help today that we can understand. Now, you made a promise, Lord, that when he, the Holy Ghost, come, that he would lead us and guide us so, Father, we are relying upon that promise today, and I pray you'll be my helper, Lord, as we try to go through this material in a studious way. I don't want to skip any, over any of it. I hope to get to all of it, but, Lord, I just, I'll need your help for that. So we commit it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, friends. You can be seated. We're going to invite you now to Acts chapter 2. We'll just take 
a reading, a very familiar reading to us in Acts chapter 2. And we'll begin at verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all filled with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. I don't think this was a figment of Luke's imagination. I think they actually heard something. It was sounded like a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. Now, a storm could rage outside, and a tornado could touch down near you, and people say it sounds like a locomotive. So there could come a a, a rushing mighty wind that could sound quite ominous, and actually the wind of it fill all the house where you're sitting. Amen? Amen? But that's not likely to bring this next verse to pass. Catch it. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. Now, I read to you a very ominous reading from Luke Luke 12 about a fire coming into the earth. And um, I hope today to be able to connect that fire to this fire. Amen. Amen. All right? And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And here's the result. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. If a tornado fills your house full of wind, you might wish you had the Holy Ghost. <laughs> you probably really call on the Lord and call on the Holy Ghost at that moment. But these people were filled with it. And began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now watch this. This goes to show you that you getting the Holy Ghost is not a selfish thing to hoard, but it actually comes with the purpose to make you an an ambassador. You understand that? So so there's a great ripple effect or collateral effect of you getting the Holy Ghost. I will promise you, as a man who raised children and have now, feel like I half raised my grandkids to my, that was just my doing, (laughs) amen. Uh, It's not their parents needed it, but I, I butted in a lot of times, but I enjoyed it. I don't regret it. No apologies. No apologies, Matt. No apologies. Sorry. Amen. Don't apologize for that one second. Not going to apologize to Jonathan. Not going to apologize for that at all. Amen. Whenever they didn't do the right job, I let them know. And if I didn't, Sister Debbie did. So I spent half my time raising them, calming her down. (laughs) Amen. But I promise you that The Holy Ghost in you is what you're going to need if you want it to have a collateral effect on your children. Now, maybe you don't want that, but I hope you do. Amen. Amen? A lot of times people don't want the Holy Ghost in their home because it disrupts things. 
Jesus said that. See, the reason it, the reason it starts a fire, what we might call destruction, is because people resist the truth. So as I said to you last time, it's not on God, it's on you. If you're resisting the Holy Ghost and the fire of God comes in and burns up, you know, uh, burns up, you know, you built, as, as the Bible says, you built on a lot of wood, hay, and stubble, and the Holy Ghost comes in and burns it all up, and you got nothing left, well, you should still thank God because that's what needed to happen. The idea of the fire, and fire's not fun, the idea of the fire is to purge, to cleanse, amen, to transform. The fire of the Holy Ghost is a transformative fire that when it comes down inside you will change everything. It will change everything. Now watch this, verse 5. There were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded. They're astonished. They're stupefied. Because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? I've experienced that. I heard a man speak to me and ask me a question in, in Arabic, and I understood it flawlessly in English. Amen. I don't speak a word of Arabic. And I understood his question so much that I started to try to answer it without waiting on the translator to tell me what the question was. And the translator interrupted me and said, hey, I haven't even told you what he said. And that was at that moment I realized the Holy Spirit was so present, I heard him in my own language. Amen. You say, did you hear English? It's hard to explain I don't, I don't know if I heard English like in this ear, but I heard English on an inside ear. That's as close as I can come to telling you. My, I'm only telling you that to tell you this is real. This isn't hyperbole. This isn't a parable. This happened. And I want more of it. That's what I want, friends. That's what I want in my life. I want it in your life. I want every detail of what I read here in the, in the book of Acts that happened to them in the upper room. If we are restored back to them, then we ought to have every detail. Now look what it did. Verse 42. This, was, this proved that it was of God. And all, I'm sorry, and they continued, this is after they believed and were baptized. In verse 41, they gladly received his word of baptized. Verse 42, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and prayers. So they became real Christians. Now they were already devout people. You understand? They already lived a very religious life holy, sanctified life. The unwise virgin live a sanctified, holy life, but they're not yet born again. They, they have the Holy Ghost. They've had an experience of the Holy Ghost on their flesh and on their spirit, and they have believed unto Christ to a, to a saving grace, saved from destruction, but they clearly are not born again because in Matthew 25, we see them being judged. And that's certainly not the bride who's seated on the throne. Amen. 
But yet, and I'm, and I'm not saying these devout men are unwise virgin. I'm only using that as an example to show you that these were devout men also. Yet, they were not born again of the Spirit of God. And when they were born again of the Spirit of God, they didn't become more devout. What they did was keep saying amen to every word. No wonder that's the evidence of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Not that it makes you devout. Brother Branham said sanctification, which is a work of the Holy Ghost, will make you stop lying and start going to church. It'll clean your life up. That's what the unwise virgin has happened. The king called them righteous people. Revelation, book of Revelation calls them saints. Saints means sanctified. So the point that I want to make again is that this fire changes you from not just being devout, but it actually causes you to say, to continue to not only say amen to the word. They asked Peter, what must we do? He told them, okay, let's do it. And then after that, they kept believing and they kept believing and they kept praying and they started breaking bread and they stayed in the fellowship of the saints. I'm here to tell you this fire that Jesus talked about that seems ominous is is the most wonderful thing that if you ever accept it, it'll come down in your life and make you a child of God like he envisioned you to be long before you were ever born. I don't want to recap too much. I don't have time. I have so much to get to today. But, but, and that, so that, that's enough on that. What, one of the things that, that we concluded last time was that when we came to Ruth, which was a type of the bride, we found that when Boaz enumerated her life, she couldn't understand. Why, why would you take notice of me? I'm, a, I'm not even of this nation. I'm, a, I'm of, the, of a heathen nation of the Moabites that came by an incestual uh, affair between Lot and his daughters and, and, I, and, I, and we, we have a semblance of Jehovah, but by no means, I mean, just because you're, say, well, let's like people would say, or Brother Bram say, are you a Christian? They say, I'm an American. Well, just because America started on Christian foundation, that doesn't mean because you're an American, you're a Christian. Far from it. So just because they might have had some understanding of, of the God of Moses, that didn't make, they were anything outside of, of, of Israel was a heathen nation. Yeah. Understand. So it's just like you, no matter what the gene of God might be in you, you were born in sin. You were born as an alien. You were born, and, and we showed you in the, in the, in the letter uh, that Sister Rebecca Smith published in Rolling Believe magazine, how Brother Branham explained we're all bastard children, that we're all born illegitimately. This is, this, is, this is the beauty of adoption in the Holy Ghost because you're born as an illegitimate child and you're adopted into the family of God by the baptism of the Holy Ghost and Brother Branham taught made legitimate. Amen. So... So in, in that respect, it's, it's not always in every respect. The, the spirit of adoption is not exactly like we would talk about adopting a, a baby. But in that regard, it's very similar. And so, so we realize he, Brother Branham puts it there in his own hand. Do not fear, sister, your new birth or anybody's new birth. Uh, 
uh, corrects it all. I just say, thank God, thank God, thank God. Corrects it all. And we, we finished up by showing you that under the order of Melchizedek, that in the spirit of adoption, which is the Holy Ghost, it brings you into the order of Melchizedek who had no beginning of days or ending of life. Therefore, it didn't matter how you were born or how you die or whatever was in the middle. You're in the order of Melchizedek. Nothing of this fallen life counts against me. So it's a powerful image that he, he in fact, is when she asked him, why would you be mindful of me? And we, we finished by pointing out that the only things he named were her good things. And he didn't talk about her bad things. Say, well, how do we know she had them? Because we're all born in sin and there's none good, no, not one. I could read it today. There's none good, no, not Ruth. There's none good, no, no not Abraham. Abraham lied and cheated and connived, but when Paul told his story, it was perfect. Why? Because he, is, he never staggered at the promise. I'm here to tell you something, friends. It should not shock you that when I say to you that you have believed the word of this hour and you have said amen and the Holy Ghost has acknowledged that by giving, sealing you in, it doesn't matter whatever you have done. It's all eliminated and nothing you ever do will count against you. You are now perfect in Christ. Amen? So it's a powerful image. It conveys this fire, a transformative power. The sacrifice of Christ was designed to do nothing less. So he's only regarding, once I'm in Christ, then he's only regarding the remaining good in you. Is there good in me after I'm born again? There's this one good. I'm like Mary, be it unto me according to thy word. See, so it's, it's it, and we, 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 we were showing you how that the rapture, like Ruth was gleaning, the rapture is the final gleaning. It's, uh, it's gleaning of 2,000 years and taking God's choice family out of the church, a bride called out of the church. In the resurrection, he gives you this final calling. And I'm so glad because when that final, oh my when that final calling comes and I'm standing on the other side in a glorified condition, there won't be any part of me that I hated, any part of me that I was ashamed of, any part of me that failed, any part of me that's dirty, any part of me that, there's none of that. It's all gone. I'm completely transformed. I, he's only taken the good in me that come from a gene that was actually come from him. Amen. Turns me into the real me that had, the real me that had really been the real me all along. It connects what it does, friends, in that final calling. It, it finishes the process of the new birth because it finally changes your body. I'm glad the new birth isn't gonna leave me in this one. I'm glad I don't have to face a thousand year millennium in this one. You say, well, what if he restored your health and restored your youth? I'd still know that this body had failed him. And I want to be in a body that's never failed him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It, it literally, I want to be flawlessly 
connected from my origin and, our, and my destination, connected back to God, that fountain back in eternity. I don't just want to say I am. Here today, the best I can do is preach and say it is spiritually that. And your new birth has connected your origin to your destiny and put you back across the chasm. And we rejoice over that. But, but, but this is partial realization. I'm coming to perfect realization. See? So I can, I can say that there is now therefore no condemnation possible for me. And that's right now. That's not coming. That's right now. But, I, but you know, friends, that's, it, I, I, that, I'm still here struggling along. And I just want to be beyond the struggle. Hallelujah. So I say, whatever that fire has to do in my life, let it change me. I don't have it on my PowerPoint. I, I missed it and I probably it's good because I just want to read through it. Let me ke- give you this from life. 1957, brother Mark, go ahead and get my PowerPoint ready. You can put up the title slide. <clears throat> but let me catch this one. I'll advance one frame to there. Brother Brandon, now just listen. He says in the message life, is that a beautiful title or what? The great, now I just want you, you're going to, this is poetry, friends. You're just going to almost want to close your eyes and just envision this as a prophet. Don't go to sleep on me, though. <laughs> Brother Jason said I could close my eyes. Mom, I fell asleep. <laughs> the great fountain of all eternity was that spirit of love, joy, that spirit of honesty, that spirit of trueness, in this perfection and then out of the existence of the father went the logos which was the son which was a theophany which was the body of the great jehovah god went forth in a celestial body that's the logos the word spoke out of them great fountains of life and went forth and there was the theophany which was god made into word then that theophany was made flesh in the person christ jesus and then all the fullness of the trinity dwelt in him both Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all in that. Isn't that easy to understand? Amen. And that's, now watch. Now that's Christ, all right? Now watch, watch how he, as he goes on. And that's the very way we go, plumb back to the original beginning of God. There we are born again, not of flesh, born again, not of blood, born again by the Spirit, and in that eternal spirit of love and honesty comes down to make its place in us. And then when we die from this life, we go into the body, which if this earthly tabernacle is dissolved, we have a theophany to go into a celestial, a body celestial. Amen. Then at the coming of the Lord Jesus, this body is picked up from the earth again. He's talking about if you go by the way of the grave. This body is picked up from the earth again and made in a glorified state to live in his presence forever. You understand why? At, at funerals, I'm, I'm always reminding the family. I reminded my family when we put Brother Eddie and buried his temple. And I said, now this is not Brother Eddie. This is just the temple he lived in. We're only storing it. That's all we're doing. We're not burying Brother Eddie. He's alive and well. 
We're only storing the temple he lived in. When he comes back on resurrection morning, he'll come right back here and pick this body up. And it'll be changed in a moment. Hallelujah, friends. You haven't lost your loved ones. Oh, I'm here to tell you, they're more alive than you'll ever be alive in this world. So he says, and so if this, which, if this earthly tabernacle is dissolved, we have a theophany to go to a body celestial. Then at the coming of the Lord Jesus, this body is picked up from the earth again and made in a glorified state to live in his presence forever. Then all the perversion, all the things, oh, listen to this. Then all the perversion, all the things that was in the perversion, all goes out of existence. Faith, flesh goes to its punishment. Hell opens up her mouth and swallows it all, swallows in all the evil and the perversion and God and his beloved church, his bride, takes their stand for the eternities to roll on. That's the great hope of the Christian church as David screamed out, Oh, thy loving kindness is better to me than life. So I'll ask you the question today, in light of what you just heard, is walking in the fire worth it? I just say yes. Whatever the fire has to burn and consume, now however hot, however the trial, whatever division it might cause, and I, I, the whole world say, my family might leave me, the whole world might leave you. But Christ won't leave you. I'm here to tell you, take your stand with the Lord Jesus. And on that day, he'll stand with you. It's worth it. Is it worth it, church? <clears throat> Revelation, uh, and, and I, I, I probably should read it, but I won't because it would just take too much time. So let me just let me just give you a breakdown. You can study it when you go back home. Because Revelation chapter one, let me say it like this. Revelation chapter one is the early church before the hybrid hybridization started in, in chapter two. By the that's why chapter two starts at AD 53, not AD 33, because Brother Ran said that first couple of decades, the church was perfect. So, brother, and I've got a quote for you here. Brother Branham, take, and he starts from Revelation 2, 1, and he says, now from right here, and he goes on to show how from that point you're dealing with a, a hybrid church. It's already starting to lose its first love. But prior to chapter 2, you have the complete revelation of the deity of Jesus Christ. So the unsealing today the unsealing of the seventh seal today restores us back to the Revelation 1 church. It absolutely does. You go home today and you read the first five verses because that's all about the deity of Jesus Christ, that this mysterious God who was a fountain and then he was a theophany and then he was a flesh and then he ascended and, you know, and then, then this, whole, this whole trinity of God, what's the balance? I, I, I've said this before, I say it again, I don't see how any Trinitarian can read Revelation 1, 1 to 5 and stay a Trinitarian. 
Because it's so clearly that that, that that God who fills all time, space, and eternity is Jesus Christ. Amen. Unmistakably Jesus Christ in those first five verses. Now, that's the revelation, the deity of Jesus Christ, that then when you come to verse 6, we find that it says, and this same one that I just got through telling you about hath now made us. Now it switches to his church. It hath made us kings and priests unto God. Amen. Understand? All right, so, so when, we, when we think about being restored to the Revelation 1 church, you'll look down from verse 6 to 18. And we are made, first of all, in verse 6, we're made priest unto God uh, who, had been, who had been so clearly identified as Jesus Christ in all of his glory and as described in those previous five, taken as a whole then. Now just pay close attention to me because I'm, I'm going to, you know, really make some statements and you're going to want to keep up. Taken as a whole, Revelation chapter 1 verses 1 through 18 show this glorious church, as I've said, prior to the fall. All right, let me, let me, let me prove that to you because by the time you get to chapter 2, you've got what Brother Branham calls an admixture of true and false. Now, you can read it. When you go into chapter 2, he commends the true church, but he's also got a problem with the deeds of the Nicolaitans. Yeah, and he comes back and commends the church, and then he says, but you've left your first love. Yeah. And then he comes back, he says, but you've had patience and have not denied my name, but you've got the issue. Yeah. So you understand that that's why the, 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 the church ages, when Brother Branham begins with the Ephesian church ages, he's, he's starting from the moment when, when instead of Christ being able to come and get a bride, she's already starting to backslide. And, that, and, and instead, of, instead of getting her turned around, he warns her, don't keep going, because if you do, I'll remove your candlestick. Well, she did and he did. And it went on to the second one and it was worse. And after the second messenger, Irenaeus, they don't even understand Revelation 1, 1 to 5 clearly anymore. They've lost the meaning of the Godhead. Irenaeus was the last one. Time he's gone, the church don't even have a clear understanding. And if you can't understand the relationship between Christ and the Father, you'll never understand the relationship between you and the Father because you're only a continuation of what he was. You see why that had to be restored in this last day? And so so, so you'll, you'll find then that it's already become an admixture. Brother Branham says in a resume of the ages, look where he starts. Revelation 2.1 describes the Lord Jesus as in the midst of his church and holding the messengers in his right hand because this bride has fallen because the church corporate is now an admixture of true and false. Amen. Now I'm going to read that so you don't think I made that up. All right, you with me? Amen. All right. <clears throat> now, let me darken that. Perfect. <clears throat> So just as there was an unmistakable bride age or a bride time, uh, a time of the full word on the front end of the Ephesian church age, so now in the restoration, there is a restoration on the 
on the latter end of the Laodicean age back to the full bride time. So it's a bright age to start with and a bright age to end with. What does a bright age entail? It means the ministry of the Son of Man, which is that same Jesus living in his church, undefiled and, and, and unobstructed. He's, he's the full word, and that brings the jubilee, and that brings the token, and that brings the abstract title deed. See? So you can see that in your mind, I'm sure. No, that's why he's the Alpha and the Omega. And Brother Branham says you don't say a whole lot about the middle because he's in the middle. He's walking in the midst of the seven lampstands, but not everything in the middle is purely him anymore. It's a hybridization, as we read. All right? It's a hybridization, an, an, an admixture. It's not purely him. But he comes back to purely him. When do you have... When do you have Jesus as purely him? When a doctrine is revealed? No. When a people have received it, eaten it, and become it. See? And and so that's why, you know, Brother Branham even makes some illustrations that I I can feel myself trying to get sidetracked and I'm not going to do that. I'm going to keep moving. So... So we find out then that that it returns the original full token. This is why Brother Brandon would say the ages only had a dip. Because the token is proportionate to the level of word you have, always. All right, so it's not that it wasn't the Holy Ghost. It's just that their word, their misunderstanding of the word blocked part of their, uh, 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 part of, The allotment, or I think more perfectly I could say, Christ was hindered from being his full self. Because you can't diminish him. I don't want to give the language that a dip meant he was something diminished. He was still who he was. But Brother Branham, you remember Brother Branham said that the church had him bound for two almost 2,000 years that he couldn't work in the church. But in the opening of the seals, it loosed him. He's now unbound because why? He's got a people who say amen once again to every word. And that entitles them to the token. Obedience to the word entitles you to the token. You with me? All right. So this, is, so this then we find that just as Israel is restored under the trumpets to their rightful land, the Omega bride is restored to her position in the word of full authority under the seals. She's seated together in heavenly places with God in Christ. We are made, Brother Branham emphasizes that, we are made kings and priests to God Because we're extending, he is now able to extend his word through our lives. Now, you remember when I started the great advantage of this fire? Don't lament the fire because it makes you available to be, for that fire to have a ripple effect. For that fire to have a a collateral effect on people you love. And I'm here to tell you. Parents and grandparents sometimes have to pray, you know, broken-hearted tears because they see the fire of God burning up their children and they have to keep praying, Lord, pour it on. 
And that's not easy. See your child or grandchild suffering, but you know that he knows what he's doing. You can trust him. Mamas, daddies, grandparents, you can trust him. Hallelujah. See? So, so we find then that it, 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 we're made kings and priests because he's now able to extend his word through our lives. That's what he was, that's what he was always after in Genesis 1.28. Be fruitful and multiply and replenish. The plan was always what it is. Brother Branham didn't make that up. That's what it was in Genesis. But sin and the fall interrupted his program. Brother Branham said, but you come anyway, but you were lost. And so he sent Christ in the form of a human being to die for you and redeems his family back to him. And then the eternities roll on. Mine, never to be broken again. Isn't that wonderful? As this bride is predestinated not to fall. So we go forth in power and demonstration from now into the ceaseless ages and from there all the way into the future outpouring of the hidden manna which is an eternal revelation of Jesus Christ. Oh my friends, what lays in front of us? I said it before, I say it a thousand times again. Our future is bright. So, So the current stage, the current stage of this ministry today, say, Brother Jason, what's it all about? What is the message all about? Is it just... God sent a prophet. It's much more than that. What is the current stage of this ministry? It is, it is Christ moving through his family uh, who, who are literally an expression of that original fountain. I don't know if you can grasp this today, but you are a continued expression of that fountain in eternity that we read about in life from 1957. From that time, in that fountain, you existed. Amen. You were an attribute in that, in that great fountain. And he said, out of there poured forth love and poured forth mercy and poured forth healing and poured forth grace. And I'll say this, and it poured forth family. Yeah. Amen. See? And so we find that, that it's, it's Christ moving through his family an expression of that original fountain. She's part of the continuation of creation. She's now taking her place, and this is a strong statement. You buckled in. She's taking her place now in the new birth as part of God's Godhead. Amen. Amen. Let's see. 1965, God's provided place of worship in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily where we, by say we, in there are sons and daughters to God in God's Godhead. Amen. Yes, as sons and daughters, we're in the family if you're in there. Amen. So, you know, if you're going to use a Trinitarian two plus two equals four, then, then he's not three, he's like a couple of million. But that's not how you think of him. Amen. See, it's not, it's not thought of linearly like that. It, and the reason they think of it linearly like that is because they don't understand Brother Branham's explanation on expression. It's just him continuing to express himself in a further part. He explained it so good there in life how that Jesus, how that the fountain went to uh, the Logos and the Logos went to a body and the body went into his church and 
The church fell away and now it's restored back and now that's picking back up again. We're headed for a new world. I'm here to tell you, you're not going to go down in the destruction of the fire that's going to destroy this world. Not you and not any of your loved ones that you've claimed in faith under the token. I'm here to tell you, I don't know how it'll happen, but God cannot break his word. He cannot break his promise. Hallelujah! See? And so, so we find then that, that we are part of his Godhead to participate in reconciliation for the sins of the people. And we're partners with Christ to finish redemption's claims, to seek and define, that's our mission, to seek and define the last name that's on the book that through the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you know, through the baptism of the Holy Ghost, according to John 20, you're even invested with power to, to, to uh, forgive and remit sin. That's blasphemy. I'm only reading John 20, 22 to 20, uh, 22 to 23, that Jesus said, he said he breathed on them and, and, and potential the Holy Ghost. It didn't come to the upper room. He breathed on them and said, receive you the Holy Ghost. Now, whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted. Now, we know it, that the Catholic took the mental understanding and put a, a black-robed man who needed converting himself in a booth and another unconverted, and they, they tell each other their faults and failures, and somehow they're going to heaven. Well, that's ridiculous because the man comes out with the same sin he went in. Only now, all he's got to do is say the rosary so many times or a few good deeds, and that's all he needs to worry about. He's, he's, <coughs> he has failed before he started. Before he went into the booth, he's already failed because the only way to get a new birth, excuse me, <coughs> is saying amen to every word. Yeah. Somebody, Brother Luther, in my bag, uh, the back of my black, black bag is fruit lozenges. Bring me one. Hurry, run, jump, but <laughs> You back yet? <laughs> Excuse me. So, <clears throat> devil ain't going to, it ain't going to work, devil. You're wasting your time. If I have to just talk the rest of this sermon, I'm going to. <laughs> so we find then that, that the, the alpha and omega of Revelation 1.8, <clears throat> he's the Alpha and the Omega. He is moving in the earth again today. You believe it? You got something for me? Yeah. Don't throw it. Bring it up here. <laughs> I'll miss. Mom can one hand grab it, but I'll miss. Oh, I don't know if that's the one I want. No, that's, oh man, I'll want five of them if I eat that. That's a Werther's. No, I'll wait on the good one. <laughs> I'll just go, Matt, bring me another one. <laughs> Amen. Be nice fuel for preaching, but I, we'd be here all day if I start eating Werther's. <laughs> so we find that he's walking again in the midst of his true church. That's the ministry of the Son of Man. And so we find that in Revelation 1.13 that he's operating through an obedient bride. 
Now that, you know, we're, not reading one, we're not reading it right now, but that's, that's, when you go home and read it, that's what you're going to find in verse 13. That this Alpha and Omega is working, he's alive, working through an obedient bride who is girt about the paps with the golden girdle. Brother Branham said, notice that that's an image of the Son of God in the form of his bride. Amen? See, so, so, so I'm, I'm saying all this to make these points. So then the supreme deity of Jesus Christ that we see on display in verses 14 and 15 is now abiding. Verse 14 and 15, thank you, sir. He's now, oh, wow, I can preach a while now. He's now abiding. <clears throat> may not need it. He's now abiding uh, in a voice of many waters. Amen? He's now, that's verse 14 and 15. He's now, he's a voice of many waters. It's the same Jesus Christ and he's got seven stars in his right hand to give authority to the the voice of the ministers. Oh, hallelujah, there's my authority today, friends. I got a prophet, a star in his right hand. I don't have to guess at it. I don't have to wonder, can I get you home? I already know I can. If you'll just accept it. See, that's what, say, oh, well, I'm a king. But, but remember that your kingship is, is only legitimized in your priesthood. Amen. Don't just go, God's not going to invest a kingly authority in you if you don't have any character. Right, right. So you say, well, how do I become a priest? By surrendering your life and let, let him live his through you. That's, that's a priesthood. That's where Brother Branham said, and I don't have it here. He talks about how that, you know, if you, something this simple. Now, here's a real simple one you can't even stumble. It'll do us all good to be reminded of it. He said, if something happens and somebody does you some way in the church and does you wrong and hurts your feelings and you go sit over in a corner and pout, he said, you're no priest because you're to bring forth spiritual praises Amen. unto God. You're, you should be more bulletproof than that. You should not wear your feelings on your sleeve like that. We're all in this thing together, y'all. We all have our ups and downs, but we cover for one another. We love one another. Hallelujah. See? So, so it's your priesthood. Are you willing to live your life so that your life in action, in real time is a living, a life of living sacrifice. The, the Christian life, Brother Branham said, is a life of self-crucifixion and living for others. You're certainly not living for others if you're, if you're trying to get all you can and be all that you want to be and it's harming others around you, including those you say you love the most. And yet your, your refusal to be a real priest is hindering them. You're not a priest at all. You're selfish. See? So, so again, I will say that your authority as kings is, is legitimized by your priesthood. See? You can't get, you can't get the, that turned around because then you, you run off trying to do something for God and you yourself need converted. That was Calvin's problem. He was, you know, they said to Brother Branham, you know, Calvin, you know, why do you say, you know, Brother Branham knew very much? And, 
And they said, well, Calvin did this and Calvin did that. And historically, you can't deny it. And Brother Branham said, yeah. said, see, Calvin needed converting himself. I'd never have, I read his history. I wouldn't have the courage to say that. But a prophet knew that that life was a life that, that operated in justification and sanctification, but had never been born again of the Holy Spirit. You see why Calvin couldn't be the messenger? See? So Luther had false doctrine, but he was born again. Wesley didn't have all the correct teaching. He taught a trinity doctrine, of which is three unclean spirits like frogs. The doctrine that, I'm glad Wesley was in the sixth age, because if, if Brother Branham would have been preaching that in the seventh age, the Bible tells us in Revelation 16 that that trinity doctrine will lead people to Armageddon. I ain't wanting to go there. And so I'm not, the, the trinity doctrine will lead you to the mark of the beast. That's why my personal belief, and this is just Brother Jason, I think that the unwise virgin are, are oneness at least. I don't, I don't see how they could, at least if they are Trinity, Trinitarian now and the misunderstanding, I think somehow in the, in the tribulation, God will get it to them and they'll, they'll come clear to not, they'll, they'll, it'll somehow to be exposed and because the Bible tells me that everyone shall worship the beast whose name is not written in the book of life of the Lamb. So even the unwise virgin have their names in the book of life, but it's not, that's not the, what Brother Branham called the bride book. You'll, read, you'll see it here in a minute. Amen. See, so, so then we find that as I said, as I said, verse 14 and 15, have the voice of many waters, Christ working through his church. Verse 16, where you'll find when you go read it at home, verse 16 brings back the razor sharp, two-edged sword, sword in the mouth of the church. That's how she's the final voice to the final age. Do you know why we're the final voice to the final age? Because under our prophet, who only taught what Paul taught? And Paul describes his ministry, and you can fairly conclude that Paul was the final voice to all the ages. That his teaching could not be countermanded by anybody. And everybody that came after him had to build on his foundation. And he said, be careful. Because no other foundation can be laid than what I, and on the judgment day, God will judge the world by what I preached. I'm glad a prophet said, I only preach what Paul preached. And millions, and here we are today, we're ready to join the millions and say, we know that and we are resting on that. Paul's teaching couldn't be countermanded even by God because he had gotten it from God. And God can't change his mind about his word. Hallelujah. Oh, my friends, you see why that this, that at the end of Laodicea, there's a complete restoration. Now, with that restoration ought to come that same fire. Don't forget that because I'm coming to that again. I'm going to circle back to that. So verse 16 of Revelation 1, I've told you that we're restored back to the Revelation 1 church. Verse 16 brings back the razor-sharp two-edged sword in the mouth of his church, who's the final voice to the final age. And, and she is, as it describes of Christ, shining in its strength, ready for a rapture. I don't know what the devil has badgered you with 
all week long. But I'm here to tell you, when God looks at you, his word and his Bible about you is you're shining in your strength. Hallelujah. And the devil cannot stop that. And that's why he hates it so bad. So the time, then of course, we've also come to the time of the fullness of all the sevens. So you have sets, various sets of seven. Brother Branham discusses it. Uh, this, is, this is all for the completion of redemption. The unfolding time uh, of the seventh seal is for the redemption of the Gentiles. The seventh trumpet is to redeem Israel. And then the pouring out of seven vials in its fullness, which happens under the seventh seal, uh, because the seventh seal, even when we're gone, the seventh seal is still unwinding. It unwinds all the way through the tribulation and it unwinds all the way through the millennium because the millennium's still in time. See? And so the seventh seal, everything ends up when the seventh seal is done, we find that it's ready for a new heavens and a new earth. So when we're gone, the seventh seal continues to unfold in judgments upon the unbelieving world through those seven vials. So Brother Branham says this. Oops. Uh, yeah, that's what I want. And now as we study this, we are comparing it now. The first three books of the Bible of Revelation, which we have pretty thoroughly combed that in the church ages. Now catch this statement because it, it augments what I just said. The seven church ages. Now there is seven church ages, seven seals, seven trumpets and vials and unclean spirits like frogs. This is all Revelation 16. And all this goes together. Amen. So you understand that, that I, as I've explained it to you before, you know, when, when, when he's in Europe and the sixth trumpet is now sounding and 200 million demon special chargers are being released to go after the Jews to chase them back into the homeland, back across this side of the pond. He's in a tree speaking to a small boy saying, don't ever drink or smoke or defile your body because I got a work for you to do when you get older. And he's working both sides at the same time. Oh, you're part of something so unimaginable to the world. And here you are, friends, and this is elementary to us. Oh, I feel so privileged today. I never wanted to say amen to the word more than I do right now. Hallelujah. See, so when, you know, even, even before that, if you go back under the fifth trumpet, before the sixth trumpet, back before World War I and a star falls from heaven under the fifth trumpet, and you find that, it's Brother Branham identifies that as Lucifer. How are thou fallen from the heaven, O Lucifer's son of the morning? And he's given keys to the bottomless pit, keys he hadn't had in his hand in 2,000 years. And he's given a temporary power to open the, the lid of hell. And Brother Branham says, the lid's been torn from hell and demon powers are streaming into the earth. Because now he's got to bring on the first and second and third woe. The world's never had to experience that. She's never had global war. She's had wars and rumors of wars and nations shall rise against nation, but the end is not yet. But when the woes begin and how are they going to 
begin because Satan comes down and takes the lid and demon powers and now everybody's ready for a global war. You say, oh my goodness, what is God going to do about it? Right at that time in the turn of the 20th century, right while that is happening, it's already happened under the fifth trumpet and back across the pond in, in, in Los Angeles, he's coming to Azusa Street because when the enemy comes in like a flood, he'll raise up a standard. I'm here to tell you, no matter what happens to this world, and it'll rock out there in the judgment, I'll be safe under the wings of Jehovah. We'll be gathered around the throne. Hallelujah. Don't think he hasn't got a plan. Don't think he already knows what's going to happen. And all you, I say, Lord, bring the fire on, whatever it takes. I want what happened in that upper room. I want it to permeate my life. You understand? You with me? See? So these, these events conclude the, the, these seals and trumpets and vials and woes. And they, they literally conclude the age of man living in a fallen condition. They're, they're, the seals and the trumpets... And the vials are to, 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 to bring about everlasting righteousness, to seal the vision and prophecy, to anoint the most holy, and to usher in the millennial reign of Mr. and Mrs. Jesus Christ. Amen. So I just want you to know today, he's got it all in control. Amen. This king and queen reign together in the earth from a palatial grounds of a restored, Brother Branham called it a restored Garden of Eden. Now this all being true, friends, then we can identify ourselves in time. I can place it with history. I can overlay the fifth and sixth trumpet and I can point you to the turn of the 20th century prior to World War I. I can point you to the, the beating of war drums again in World War II. We can see that the seventh seal was the unveiling of all the seals because they're wrapped up in scrolls. Brother Bram says, not like a book like this. So the, the, the Christ had to do that because the church fell away. Remember where we read? And instead of Jesus being able to come and get a bride, he, he must now sit down in the eternities, intercede for ignorance for 2,000 years, seal up the word in seven seals, and then it can't, it can't be unlocked until the end time. And so he takes the first seal. It's like he's got seven, it's seven scrolls. Imagine seven pieces of paper stacked seven high. One, all right, you've got, you've got all this stacked here. And so you, you take the first one and you roll it up in a scroll and you put a tie and you seal it. You lay it on the second one and you roll it up again. And then you tie and seal that one. Then you'd lay it on the third one and roll it up again. So the first one is rolled inside the second one and the second one's rolled inside the third one. You follow me? And that's the way he does it. Fourth, fifth, seal it up. Six, seal it up. Seven, seal it up. So people who say the seventh seal is not open, if it's not open, none of them are. Because you can't get to any of them until you open the outer one. Hallelujah. 
Say, what is it, a, 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 a big treasure trove of doctrine? No, it's the unveiling of Christ. The unveiling of the word like he was in Revelation 1 when the church was a, a voice of many waters, when the church was full of power and believing, when the church had the fire of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. See? So it places us in time. It, 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 it identifies ourselves in time. It places us in prophecy. It declares with authority that the time of the final voice to the final age has arrived and we go forward in this age. And I want to tell you something, what that fire of the Holy Ghost is sent to do. You say, oh, it's going to make me the final voice to the final age. Well, what does that even mean? I can tell you this, it's not a cliche. I can tell you what the final voice to the final age is in an age when the lid is torn from hell, in an age where Satan's Eden is here, in an age where he's reached his zenith and he's the God of this evil age. A final voice of authority means that I can come in any situation and take every devil under my control for the glory of God. Come into our home, speak to our children, speak to our neighbors. No matter what it is, you have the authority of the word of God. That's what the fire does. That's what the Holy Ghost is given for. That's why you're a king. You say, well, how do I, how do I activate it? Be a priest. You won't have to activate it. It activates itself. But you got to be a priest. Just like, just like Brother Brad was quoting and Brother Caleb had quoted, there are certain things God won't do. You've got to be willing to be a priest. And when you're a priest, then the heaven comes behind you and now your word is a king. Oh, glory to God. What is your need today? This isn't a charismatic meeting where I just name it, claim it. Nothing doing. What is your need today? I find that my need is not a bigger house and a better car, but I want to be an overcomer. I want to be an overcomer. I want to see this flesh put under the control. Of the Holy Spirit. This is what the Holy Ghost is given for. This is why he came to start a fire. Not a nefarious reason. Not an evil reason. Just like the sixth trumpet, demon powers released, brings about a holocaust. And Brother Branham could actually call that the tender hand of Jehovah. My wife and I were talking about it this morning. He literally allowed a demon spirit to go down and deceive King Ahab. Because they're having a conference. How can we trick him? How can we bring Elijah's words to pass? Because Elijah said he's got to be killed. And he's got to die this a certain exact kind of death. So how, what's the best way to do it? You say, I mean, couldn't God just like already have the best idea? Yeah. But it's just like Jesus standing there said, the harvest is ripe, the labors are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he send for labors. And Brother M said he himself was the Lord of the harvest. And he's saying to them, I want to do this, but I want you to be involved. I want you to pray to me. I want you to ask me. I want my family's involvement. Hallelujah, that's the Old Testament order. There's nothing like a family all working together and pulling together and loving together and worshiping together. Hallelujah, friends. That's, what, that's the kind of home the Holy Ghost can get behind. Yeah. Amen. 
Amen. Amen. So, so we, we, we find that, you know, the, the Lord, an evil spirit from the Lord went to torment Saul. Now, Brother Bram said, God don't put sickness on his children. The devil does that. So an evil spirit from the Lord just simply means like he did to, to King Ahab. He, he permitted, he authorized an evil spirit to go and torment Saul. Say, why? Because Saul was in the way. He was rejecting the word. He would not accept David. David had already been anointed king and Saul wouldn't have it. He got mad and tried to kill him. So God punished him. Was he lost? No, he was saved. Why? Because he was a son of God. And he took a whipping and it took his life. But Isaiah, I mean, I, but Samuel said, tomorrow you'll be with me in paradise. Yeah. Amen. See? Amen. So we find that we can now identify ourselves in time. I got to pause with this last set of quotes. We can identify ourselves in time. We can place ourselves in prophecy. We can declare with authority that this is the time of the final voice to the final age where it can go forward taking every spirit of this dark age under our control through the Holy Ghost. Brother Branham says it like this, the mighty God unveiled before us, 1964, but now as ever, the skin veil is what catches the traditions. They just can't believe that that is God making them people act like that. See? It's because, here's why, God is veiled in his church in skin. Skin on it. 1964. The mighty God, look at the title. Who's God? He's going to unveil himself. Well, when he did, who was it? His church. You. You're, you're part of the mighty God unveiled that the world thinks you're a cult because they can't see it see so because God is veiled in his church in skin skin on it that's right he is hid from the unbeliever and revealed to the believer yes sir whoa thank you I don't know what happened there oh no devil we ain't playing that Matt bring me back Ah, there's always an override button. Hey Amen. You once you bring it back, brother Mark, uh, uh, go, go go back one. Let me make sure we had that. <clears throat> one more. One more. Keep it going. Don't read. Keep it going, brother Mark. <laughs> Keep going. We're looking for 1964, right there. Um, go back one more to the one we read. There's the one we read. All right. He is hid from the unbeliever and revealed to the believer. Yes, sir. Next. Same quote. One, one slide. Now, when their tradition veil of traditions of the elders and the word is broke through, oh, of course, today, then comes in plain view, we see him. Look at it with me. Deity again veiled in human flesh. I love how he says that. Hebrews 1 says so. See? He's, he's, he's locking back to the final voice of all the ages. Go home, read Hebrews 1. You'll find that that's what he's saying. Now, let's go to 65. And this is where we're finishing. 
Notice now then you are a son of God. I want to give you this and we'll send you home or send you to the fellowship hall. Notice now then you are a son of God in the house of God. You are a part of God's economy. You love that? Romans 8, 1, then there is no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus for they are dead to the world, alive in him and living in his present, in this present day, making the word that God has used them or foreordained them, placing their name, there it is, in this bride book. See, that's a different section of the book of life. Next. And when the waters comes upon that seed that's in the heart, raises it up to the bride of Christ, oh my, just perfect as it can be. In every age, it's been that way. The Lutherans under justification, the feet raised it like that. Wesley under sanctification. The Pentecostals under the arms, the works and deeds and so forth had to be Calvinist, he corrects himself, or had to be Armenian, had to be legalist. But now we come to the head, the capstone, grace, grace, the capstone cried. Amen. Next. The headstone crying what? Grace, grace. Passed from death and creed into a living word of the living God, God's only provided plan for his age, his sons in the word age quickened by the spirit like a spark that's lit off something to make it alive and seated now in heavenly places in present tense, already alive and subject to every promise in the word, finally. Then what does that do? Looks like we might have one more. What does that do? You being a part of God's gene, a part of the word, other men a part of God's word, seated together, manifested the entire body of Christ because there's, I love that, there's no leaven among you. See what he's talking about, Brother Brown? No leaven among you, just the word only. Seated in heavenly places, not suggesting we don't have struggles and faults and failures, but you have believed the report. You have received the word of this hour. And the word of this hour was not doctrine or teaching. It was a person and it's changed your life. That's how I know it's not doctrine. It's changed your life. Legalism forces you to live a certain way. I'm not forced at all to live this way. I actually force myself to live this way because I love it. And I don't want to live any other way. No thanks. Oh, you can go do whatever you want. I already am. I already am doing everything I want. I love him. He first loved me. Something came into my life and made that change, friends. What was it? The fire that fell on Pentecost. No leaven among you. Just the word only. Seated in heavenly places. In the door where he puts his name. Christ Jesus. Next. Got two more and then we're done. No leaven among you. That brings the entire fullness of the Godhead bodily among you. Couldn't do it in Luther's age. Couldn't do it in Wesley's age. Couldn't do it in Pentecostal age. But in the day when the Son of Man will be manifested, revealed, brought back the church together with the entire deity of God amongst his people, showing the same visible sign. Lastly, manifesting himself, 
like he did at the beginning when he manifested on earth in the form of a prophet God, O glory, promised by Malachi 4, promised by the rest of the scriptures when you, where you worship at, the house of God seated in present tense. Amen. That's it, Brother Mark. Seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, present tense. Not, not I'm going there someday. Now I'm here now. Now there is therefore no condemnation. Amen. We, now we are called the sons of God. See? Amen. So now I am entitled to the same fire that fell in the upper room in every detail of Scripture. I have the right to say to the Lord, Lord, I want to come to verse 42 like they came to verse 42 and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and the fellowship and the breaking of bread. I say, Lord, bring the fire on. You got to start a fire right in my life and burn up everything that's hindering me. Can you pray that today? Stand with me. Can that be a desire in your heart today? Are you honest enough with God to say, Lord, burn up everything that's hindering me coming into this perfect union with you? I'm going to tell you something, friends. I'll say this as we go off the air. Your willingness to be consumed by this fire is the greatest thing you can ever do for your lost loved one. Can I say it again? Your willingness, because you have to be willing, and maybe you're not. Your willingness to be consumed by this fire is the greatest thing you can do for your lost loved ones. So your choice is continue on in your selfishness or love your lost loved ones enough Let's bow our heads. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that I got down to the last line on the last page, to the last word, to the period at the end. I wanted to. I hoped you would let me. And I did, and you did, and it's done. And now, Lord, it's out there for the people to consider. Lord, they'll take it home with them today. I hope that the Holy Spirit, it is my prayer. Lord, I already know what I want for me. Now my prayer is for these people who have heard this word. The ones in this building today, the ones who are not here, maybe listening by another way, another means. Lord, maybe they're sick, maybe they're traveling. We know some are. Father, I commit it to you now, Lord. I I, I'm glad that I understand your ominous prophecy in Luke 12. That I, you think I've come to bring peace? No, I've actually come to bring division. I've come to turn father against son and mother against daughter and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law and brothers against sisters. And I've, I've come to, to upend everything. You're bringing a fire that doesn't leave us just a member of a church. Thank God. Thank God. 
I'm so glad, Lord, we're not just another church on the corner, another tradition, another place of rules and codes and, 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 a, and, a, and a credo of man. No real effective change in our lives. Maybe become a better person, sure. No, that's great. I'm all for people being better and improved by any means necessary. But Lord, as for me and my house, I want to be kings and priests. I want to I want my priesthood to authorize my kingly authority. I want to be able to take authority over every demon. I want Lord, I want that experience for every person that came in the upper room. In every in every detail. Lord, there's details of that 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 I've, I've had experiences similar, but when I read the details of it, word by word, I read it real slow, Lord. I felt drawn to it, and I went back as many times as I've read across it. But I read it real slow, and I read every descriptive term. And I say, Lord, there's room in there for me to have some more of you. And I pray today that you will give to me, give to all of us, Lord, that exact same in every detail, that exact same experience that they had when this whole thing got started. Lord, let it end, as Brother Branham said, that it will be the dynamics of this church will be a refilling of the Holy Ghost like they had at the beginning. So Lord, we're not praying amiss. We're asking according to your word. I pray you will let it happen. I commit it to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You love him? You love him? Really, you love him? You appreciate the word of God today? Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's have a song or two before we go. Sing, Brother Anthony. This is my desire to I worship you. 
I want my whole life to be a worship of you, Lord. Any obstacle gone. All I have within me. With all my strength. I give you praise. All that I adore is in you. Lord, sing it now. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my
Change my heart, oh God, make it Make it. 